Hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Joshua Teitelbaum, a historian of the modern Middle East, a professor at Bar-Ilan University and an affiliate scholar at Stanford University and author, join us to discuss Israel and the Persian Gulf, dawn of a new era. Professor Teitelbaum will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Professor Joshua Teitelbaum. Okay, hello everybody. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. Uh, so we'll start, uh, it's good to be here. We'll start and I'm gonna share a screen. My little PowerPoint presentation here. Hopefully uh, you're seeing that. And if you're not, hopefully Stacy will let me know. All right. It's okay? Yes. Just want to make sure, Stacy, are we okay? You seeing the... Uh, Yes, we can see your, your PowerPoint. Okay, great. Okay, so uh, we're going to just get right right to it here. Uh, I just want to set a little timer and uh, get going. Um, yeah, so we are in a really fascinating period of in increased uh, relations between Israel and the Persian Gulf. Uh, you know, you can see the, the initial uh, slide here. Uh, this has uh, been happening for the past couple of years where the uh, Saudi uh, ambassador, uh, Rima bin Bandar, also the daughter of uh, the famous ambassador Bandar from the 80s and the 90s, um, she sent everybody a Rosh Hashanah card, um, which was, you know, an unusual thing given given uh, past relations between the Jewish community and Saudi Arabia, and between, of course, between Israel and uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, at the first blush, my wife thought it might have been a joke, but uh, it is um, it is not. This is part of a new trend in Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries, and that's going to be what I'm going to be concentrating on during this uh, short presentation. Okay, so, you know, if you had looked at documents as I do from the 1950s, uh, this is what uh, Ibn Saud's Syrian advisor had to say in 1950. Ibn Saud was the founder of, uh, of Saudi Arabia. Um, he once said that the only group worse than the Jews was the Shiites. And for years, Jews, of course, were expressly forbidden from entering Saudi Arabia. This is from 1950. Under no circumstances could Saudi Arabia have anything to do with Israel. We will never allow a Jew in this country. And of course, King Faisal was, uh, was famous, actually, for handing out copies of the notorious Tsarist forgery, the elders of Zion, uh, to visiting dignitaries. Um, but things started to change, and historically, we now know even sooner than many people think. After Israel's victory in 1967, um, British diplomats were already uh, reporting that the Israeli problem is strictly for those immediately concerned. In other words, Israel had 
made its presence felt in a, in a, in a massive victory and um, the Saudis were disengaging, so to speak. At least that's what they were telling people and diplomats privately. There's a big difference between the diplomatic level of discussion and the public discourse. Of course, publicly, they were entirely behind the uh, Palestinian cause. So we've seen a lot of progress from, from them. Those of you since then, uh, those of you who read Hebrew know this as Shana Tova, a good year. Uh, this was on the um, the home page or the, the the home Facebook page of Arab News. Arab News is a, uh, a, a, a the main English newspaper in Saudi Arabia. It's been probably there for 50, 60 years. Arab News is owned by a media conglomerate, which is owned by Salman, King Salman, this, the, the father of uh, Mohammed bin Saud, uh, MBS, who is uh, owns many newspapers and media outlets like Al Arabiya. But the fact that this was on the the, uh, the, the Facebook page uh, last uh, Rosh Hashanah certainly showed uh, things were moving in a different direction. Maybe on, on a slightly funny note, there's a gentleman, an Israeli-American, who has um, crowned himself the chief rabbi of Saudi Arabia. Of course, uh, he doesn't really hold this position officially, but he does go to Saudi Arabia, and you know he's dressed like an ultra-Orthodox uh, gentleman. He goes around, he has pictures. Uh, there's really no problem. If you want, you can donate and become a partner, including building seven uh, mikvahs, uh, ritual baths in Saudi Arabia, which I am sure are needed desperately. Um, one of the interesting things about these relations, and really the UAE is the pioneer in the relations, is they use a kind of soft power. First, they make uh, Judaism kosher, and then they make Israel kosher. And in the UAE for, for quite a while now, we've uh, had a lot of very positive talk before the Abraham Accords about, about Judaism, about tolerance. There's a project to build this massive uh, complex that you see here of a synagogue, a mosque, and a, uh, a, a church as a in Abu Dhabi as a demonstration of, of uh, tolerance, uh, the Jewish community of uh, UAE, which is uh, mostly entirely expatriates, um, in the past couple of years has come out of the underground. May, many, many of you may have even visited there. Um, so this is what I call uh, the soft power making uh, Judaism kosher. And then, of course, we had the the um, the uh, expo, which was uh, not too long ago, which was Israel, even before the Abraham Accords. Uh, were uh, were signed. Uh, there were plans for this huge uh, expo. Uh, it was delayed because of, of COVID. I think it actually ended opening after the Abraham Accords were signed. And um, as someone who used to keep track of these relations on an almost a daily basis, it's really so much is happening that it's really impossible to kind of mention everything. But just to hit a couple of highlights, just a little while ago, who could imagine, for instance, that there would be an Israeli um, making a presentation on terrorist financing in a mall in Dubai. This was just taken uh, by a friend, okay, in a, in a public uh, public mall. Um, 
And of course, defense relations, more and more with the Iranian threat, things that one could only have imagined. The, the chief of staff uh, uh, of uh, the UAE has visited. This is a picture of the, the, um, the uh, uh, head of the Air Force visiting Israel and observing various exercises, which, which actually went on before the Abraham Accords were, uh, were signed, usually under the sponsorship of the United States. Um, okay, uh, business is, I, I could say, booming. A lot of diamonds are moving back and forth between these countries, but there is a lot of interest and a lot of uh, investment going on. Uh, Israelis uh, are flying uh, like crazy to Dubai. This is a, a Hebrew, uh, the webpage of Hebrew, uh, webpage of Emirates Airlines that you can uh, sign and uh, make your reservations. Um, and um, we are seeing more and more uh, relations in all kinds of ways. Now, I did talk, mention the idea of making. Um, Judaism kosher before making Israel kosher. Well, um, for many years now, the Muhammad al-Isa, uh, this gentleman in the middle, is the head of the uh, World Muslim League in Saudi Arabia. This is the same World Muslim League that used to help export Wahhabism. Uh, and he's a, a, a Saudi cleric, an official former minister of, of, of justice, has been talking very positively, uh, positively about Israel, meeting with Jewish officials, talking about tolerance. And here he is, I think it was just uh, two years ago, uh, visiting Auschwitz. Um, one of the ways we saw this uh, cooperation in defense issues in particular increase was when the, the U.S. moved Israel into CENTCOM, the Central Command. Previously, it had been in, in um, UCOM, the European Command, in order uh, not to be with uh, together with the uh, Arab countries. Uh, this is the Central Command that uh, operates in, in, in the Middle East, and, and uh, Israel has uh, joined that. So this greatly facilitates uh, cooperation. Israel wouldn't have been uh, moved to the central command if uh, the Arab uh, Gulf states and other Arab states that cooperate with the United States had uh, voiced much of an objection. Um, there are drills going on every other, every other week. We hear about them. Uh, and with the Iranian threat, the area that seems the most promising besides intelligence cooperation is really in the area of uh, air defense. Um, We've had very various reports. We can always confirm about cooperation in this respect. That Israeli batteries uh, being deployed in the United in the United Arab Emirates and in Bahrain, and this is only going to uh, grow. Um, this is from a recent article in Hebrew, but showing the way uh, these countries could cooperate in the areas of uh, missile defense. Um, we get more and more leaks, so to speak, mostly from the Israeli, Israeli side about these cooperation and talks about a joint system. And uh, we, we, this is illustrated in many statements by uh, Israeli officials with various secret meetings and so forth. Um, defense, of course, is the area where cyber and so forth, where there is the most cooperation and uh, many deals are being, uh, being signed. Um, 
this was uh, just also uh, recently uh, reported. Personally, I'm not a, a specialist on defense. I really hadn't even heard of the Barak air defense system, uh, but uh, apparently uh, it may be a, a new name for, for something that, that exists, the arrow or, or something else, but this is being discussed quite uh, widely. Um, now, if we drill down more specifically on uh, relations with, uh, with Saudi Arabia, um, there was some talk before the Biden visit about uh, about uh, an improvement in relations. I didn't think anything big would happen. My colleagues, people who know, didn't think really think anything big big would happen. But some things did happen uh, happen, and we'll get to that in a second. But we have constant statements, particularly from uh, MBS Mohammed bin Salman, talking about the potential alliance. But if the Palestinian conflict can be uh, can be resolved. Um, th this, by the way, is often walked back by the foreign minister, who will say that uh, you know until there's a solution that the Palestinians agree to, there really can't be diplomatic relations with Israel. Okay, now what what came after the Biden visit was this: um, uh, flights to Israel are now allowed to cross uh, Saudi uh, airspace, um, and of course that. Is, is, is a good thing, flights to India, flights to the Far East. Uh, this is a, a good step. I mean, the Saudis, uh, Saudis agreed to it. Of course, they, they, they couched it in terms of, well, we're now opening up our airspace to, to everybody. But uh, it was clear that this was uh, uh, aimed uh, at Israel. Things that could, small things that could happen down, down, the, down the pike are perhaps uh, allowing direct uh, flights for the Hajj, for the pilgrimage. Uh, the Islamic pilgrimage uh, for uh, Israeli Muslims directly to uh, Mecca, uh, possibly interest sections in in embassies, uh, but I would look to these uh, these improvements coming very uh, slowly. Uh, there is uh, there is no rush really, particularly for the Saudis. Um, now, just lately, I mean, another example of this, they just had this big, what they call Davos in the desert, a big gathering of all the uh, movers and shakers in the world economy. And we had here uh, uh, several Israelis, leading Israelis, including uh, Samar, uh, Samer Hajihya, who's the chairman of Israel's Bank Leumi, the, the biggest bank in Israel. Uh, he is an Israeli Arab, obviously no, no apartheid here. Uh, and uh, he was uh, greeted and uh, really was on the main stage at this uh, at this event and and other Israelis as, as well, Jonathan Medved and and, and others. Um, just yesterday, an Israeli uh, was uh, competed in uh, these games and these things called Saudi games with uh, with um, his, his name is uh, Shahar Sagiv in the first Israeli athlete to compete in Saudi Arabia in the triathlon. I just heard there was another athlete as well. Um, uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of time. We leave most things for for questions. But you know, the big question, of course, is when will diplomatic relations uh, be established? And I look at this really as there has to be some kind of grand grand bargain that Israel will do something towards the Palestinian issue uh, that will give the Saudis cover uh, uh, to to come forth and uh, have a diplomatic relations. It'll have to be something fairly big. What could it be? We're not sure right now, but if they're talking about this, this is what they're talking about. I call that how 
thin to slice the salami, the halal salami or the kosher salami. Um, now we are not, of course, uh, can tomorrow is election day in Israel. And uh, this is also, also involves the, the UAE uh, did make this uh, statement about uh, elections with uh, there, there is a party uh, a running a, um, a, a Ben Gvir and, and Smutrich, which is, is a, a racist party. And this is running in the elections. Uh, and uh, this is what the, uh, the foreign minister of the UAE had to say on this issue. Um, so I kind of you know, rushed through this and I actually am keeping to the, uh, the timetable. Uh, so I'm going to uh, stop here and uh, not before I wish everybody a, a happy Halloween uh, back there. I assume most of you are in the United States. So I'm gonna stop my share and uh, we'll start the Q&A. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, so the first question is from William Wolf. How dependent is any Saudi Arabian relationship with Israel on the autocratic leader? If change seems like all bets are off. Okay, it's a good question. Um, you know, when when any country has relations with uh, with with uh, with another country, the leadership change can uh, can make a difference. I, I don't think one has to be uh, auto, uh, autocratic uh, for that. Certainly, uh, in the United States, which is a democracy, uh, when when uh, uh, there's a change in uh, in president with the president, there are are changes with uh, with relations with uh, with other countries. But to be more specific with this with this uh, this issue. Um, Saudi Arabia uh, is a country that's been around for a long time. Uh, it's a country that has uh, shares a lot with Israel uh, in terms of uh, interests, as do the uh, the other Gulf countries. It is um, theoretically possible that that he could go, uh, and uh, Mohammed bin Salman could go, and another leader with a different policy could come uh, in his place. Uh, and Israel knows this, and, and I'm sure that in the areas of uh, intelligence sharing and all kinds of, of uh, issues of cooperation, Israel takes this, uh, this into account, and uh, let's just say it doesn't uh, reveal all its cards. Thank you. David Levine asks, has there been any corresponding warming of attitudes towards Israel and Jews in the textbooks now used in Saudi Arabia and the Gulf school systems? Yes. It's, it's, there have been a couple of reports on this. It is getting better. There's still a way to go, but there's an organization that reports on, uh, on views of Jews and Israel in, in textbooks. And uh, this is, uh, this is being monitored and it, and it has uh it has gotten um, it has gotten better, and the kind of public statements that come from Saudi officials and particularly religious officials, the official religious officials, uh, about cooperation with Jews, um, Israel is still you know still a, a delicate subject. But as as I said, I think that that uh, Saudi Arabia is taking a page out of the UAE playbook and first make Jews and Judaism kosher and then make Israel kosher. We have a little tongue-in-cheek comment here from Bill Baggett. Do you mean making Judaism halal? 
<laughs> cute, cute. Uh, actually, could be. It's a good, good way to look at it. Very wonderful. Uh, Stephen asks, how are we to interpret all these expressions of love in light of the fact that every Arab country consistently votes against Israel and the UN, while trade and niceties are wonderful and we remain hopeful? Should we not maintain some degree of caution and skepticism given the true friendship would mean a major break with Islamic religious doctrine? You know, whoever was said that countries have uh, don't have friends, they have interests. Uh, it's at this point uh, in the interest of uh, the Gulf countries and Saudi Arabia to increase cooperation with Israel, not just because of Iran, because of what Israel can offer in, in terms of, uh, of, uh, of technology. And Israel is an example to many of these countries. Um, so, of course, one, one has to be cautious. And I think uh, Israel is, is very cautious about, about this and, 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 and what they reveal. But um, you know there are there are countries that that can change their minds and so forth. But you take things uh, uh, step by step, and uh, and uh, you know who, who would have believed uh, what, what the relations with the UAE a while ago when you used to read what uh, clerics there said about about Israel. So you know things can change, and uh, I think we have to go with it, still being cautious. But there's a lot of benefits to be uh, reaped from these relations. Absolutely. And Judy Hershon asks, uh, follows up on that. Above all else, what will the Abraham Accords do to counter rabid Jew hatred at the UN today uh, with the UN Commission of Inquiries uh, Standing Committee against Israel? So, you know, the, you, we still have the UN, we still have how they vote at the UN. Um, I think, uh, for instance, India has abstained a couple of times now, uh, or there's been talk about that. Um, this is not a, a good situation, but I think that uh, you can't, um, this is diplomacy here, okay? So if Israel, uh, if the price of Israel cooperating uh, with, with these countries economically and uh, and uh, militarily so these countries still feel a need to be on these committees or vote against Israel uh, I think personally I think I think it's uh, worthwhile to have uh, military relations with the UAE if the UAE even if the UAE will vote sometimes against Israel at the United Nations absolutely and Mindy Stein follows up again on that uh how do we change this? How do we how do we warm these relations even further, specifically uh, in in relation to the Abraham's Accord, uh, Israel's deterrence against the common enemies? So they they are warming further. Uh, the Israeli uh, tourism is, is way up, uh, and uh, there are it's, it's they're not so much coming in in this direction yet, but uh, but they will. Um, and uh, you know these. Things take time. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm 60, almost 65. I, I can't believe what has happened in the past uh, three, four years. I mean, if you have a history, that's what I actually tried to show when I talked about the historical context, how, how far things have come. Um, so I think what's happened so far is uh, really great. We can we can hope for uh, we can hope for more things, and you know I, I didn't have time to go, go into it, but there's you know there's this knock-on effect as well. Uh, Morocco signed peace agreement with Israel, has defense agreement with Israel. The prayer 
for the, the soldiers of Israel was said at a synagogue in Casablanca not too long ago. Uh, so, uh, you know, those relations were more clandestine for a long time, but that's a very important country in, in, in North Africa. And, you know, there, there is this, this uh, knock-on effect, and maybe we'll, we'll see some other countries, perhaps Indonesia, perhaps Oman. Uh, so this has a, has a lot of influence. Absolutely. Francois Lembon uh, asks, what would be the best outcome in the Israeli elections for continued progress in its relationship with UAE and the KSA? It's kind of a trick question. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to, you know, give my opinion on the, the best outcome for, for the Israeli elections, okay, which I, I vote in tomorrow, but I, I keep that to myself. Understood. Uh, Lisa Bernard asks, is there a better or safer passport, uh, U.S. or Israeli, with which to travel to the uh, Saudi kingdom? Officially, uh, to go to Saudi Arabia, U.S. passport. That's that's the, the quick answer to that. As we see, there are Israelis going in. There's a special, probably a special procedure because there's so many going in already. Um, but uh, if you have a U.S. passport, go on, on the U.S. passport. Absolutely. Uh, Shari Balaker asks, many Israelis have traveled to the UAE, but it doesn't seem to be vice versa, similar to Jordan and, Jordan and Egypt. What are your thoughts on this? So we'd like to see uh, see some more. We're just, you know, ending ending uh, uh, COVID. Uh, it's not, okay, the, the Emirati citizens, okay, this just a, the citizens of the Emirates are only 20% of the residents of the Emirates, okay? 80% are not citizens. So if we're talking about Emirati citizens, um, they're quite wealthy. Um, frankly, you know, Israel isn't the, the first place they want to go. They want to go overseas. For, for Israelis, it's, you know, just to go to an Arab country. It's just a big deal and, and, and it has special attractions. We do see some tourism, but, you know, if, if they can go to, you know, Paris or, or London or, or New York, uh, and they could afford it, that Israel's not going to be at the top of their agenda. That's what I hear from there. You know, one day, it's good that it's there. I, I have friends in, in the Emirates who I've invited, and, and uh, on an academic level, there are, there are exchanges and they are coming, but it's not, you know, it's not the top tourist generation if you're a destination, if you're a wealthy Emirati. Understood. Edward Kaplan asks, if the Iranian threat to the Sunni countries were to disappear, would the economic benefits to the Arabs be enough to keep the accords alive? As a historian, I hate hypotheticals, but I'll, 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 I'll go with it. Um, there, besides the Iranian issue, Israel represents... Uh, a small country that has had tremendous achievements in 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 economy, in growth, and particularly in in technology, in water management, they have so much to learn from Israel, and they, and they say that they and and um, uh, Saudi Arabia, for instance, as we know, is 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 trying to wean itself from oil and has a lot of grandiose projects. Frankly, some of them are 
you know, pretty, they look like they come from science fiction, but uh, they are trying to wean themselves from, uh, from oil. And uh, Israel offers a lot of opportunity for, for them to, to learn. Absolutely. And do you think that Saudi Arabia will be signing the accord shortly or? No, still a ways not at all. That I didn't have time to elaborate on, but um, I, I think that's, I think we will see some, and, and we are seeing some incremental things. Okay. We saw the flights. We've now seen Israeli athletes. We've seen, seen Israeli businessmen, uh, men so far, but, uh, but yeah. And um, we, so, so we, we are seeing things. And, and the way he also started this way. Okay, and it, and it took and it took a while, um, and uh, but I think that the um, uh, for something beyond the Hodge flights, the, the visitors, the little business things, something big. If you're talking about diplomatic relations, um, it's I, I I don't I don't see it yet because it's not worth it to them. It, they don't. I, I don't see the gain for them being more than what they can get right now, which is uh, secret, clandestine, whatever, cooperations through intelligence on Iran, it's a common enemy, and so forth. Um, and uh, th there, there is a political price to pay in, in Saudi Arabia, because there are people who oppose it, even though Mohammed bin Salman is a, a, a dictator, and uh, I knew Jamal Khashoggi, we know what he does to his enemies. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's not a, he's very strong, but, uh, you know, why, it's just not worth it. Why bring up the, the, the problem? He has so many other things that he's trying to do. He's not interested at all in political liberalization, as we know, but he's interested in social liberalization, particularly for the young people, um, bringing in, you know, again, someone who has a sense of history, female wrestling, Formula One racing, Mariah Carey, um, raves. People are not uh, dressing as traditionally as these two, not just women, men also in Riyadh, all over. So he has, he has a lot of things. I, I think kind of the last thing he needs right now is to sign a peace treaty with Israel. I understood. I think I even saw pictures of uh, Halloween parties happening there. All right. All right. Well, uh, before we go, can you tell our viewers where we can find some more of your work? Uh, so I have a, a, a website, joshuatitlebaum.com. Um, it's not that up to date, but if you Google me, you'll find uh, things I've written, books and articles. It's, you know, mostly uh, academic uh, articles. And, and I'm a historian, so I, I really deal with, uh, you know, late uh, late 19th century, early 20th century. I have a book coming out from Stanford University Press on the Saudi military. So you can keep an eye out uh, for that, really tribes in the Saudi military, um, arms deals in the Saudi military. Uh, so there you can find more of my work. All right, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you, Professor Teitelbaum, for joining us today. Thank you, it was my pleasure. Take care, everybody. Too. For our viewers, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for Israel Cider. And don't forget there is the time change in Israel. It's ahead of us, uh, but we should be back the week after at the same time. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.